Discipleship needs to involve caring for the whole life of a person. So like every area of a person's life needs the gospel, not just the spiritual areas. So when you think discipleship, think holistic. Don't just think, well, they gotta learn how to pray and read their Bible. They'll figure it out from there. Well, then why didn't Jesus do it that way? You're gonna have to look at and, and create the environment and the activities and the experiences for all of it to be looked at. Their time, their job, how they view it. Is it their savior? Is it their provision? Their money, their relationships, their body image, sexuality. They must all be shaped. I mean, seriously, most people aren't just going out and robbing banks, you know what I mean? Or sticking stuff in their purses and stealing, you know, it's really, really like, you know, it's, it's mostly going to be heart and character stuff that you're going to be going after. This is a Life School Podcast, episode number 219. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Keith, my brother. What's going on, dude? I am, um, well, nothing really. I, I am excited um, for this episode we get to do part two of, but you know what? I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm really excited about vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's this upcoming week, right? Yeah, it's coming up. And uh, going to be uh, some friends and some family and taking my oldest grandson, Patton, along for the first big airplane trip with us. And we'll see if he loses his mind. I, think, I don't <laughs> think so. He, he's two and a half. He's great. He's the gentlest little guy. So we'll see. Maybe he gets an earache or something. I hope not. But I'm excited for some time off. Yeah, you're just dropping down the West Coast, going yep. to the beach, right? A little sandy, a little San Diego, yep. Getting a tan. So, so I'm pretty excited about it. I'm yeah, pretty man. excited about it. Um, I, I should vacation more, but you know, when you live the dream like we do, Heath, like every yeah. day is just so perfect. Like, why would you go anywhere or rest or take time? If only it was that nice, right? <laughs> now, you have to put like a, a picture of you guys in San Diego on the Facebook group so that people can kind All of right, see. All right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I guess first time in the water or something like that. Maybe or, I'll record an impromptu episode of my cell phone whilst sitting on the beach. Live stream the airplane not, flight? Not, yeah. <laughs> Hey, so today we're actually uh, following up for those who maybe missed last week's episode. This episode is the part two of what we did last week. So yeah. if you haven't talking about like what does the environment for discipleship need to be and really look like and what are the qualities of it and what did Jesus do and show us and teach us. And so, yeah, this comes from a, a talk that I gave a few years back. Yep. And like I shared this last week, I was, I was doing this live to quite a few people, so I'm, I'm kind of amped up and I'm getting after it, you know what I mean? And, um, but uh, it, it's good stuff, and I've given this talk a lot because it's kind of baseline, so even if you feel like you've heard parts of this or whatever before, dig in, yep. okay, dig in with us. And um, again, I'm going to invite you to compare and contrast, <laughs> compare and contrast these qualities of Jesus' discipleship environment um, to maybe the way you were discipled or you're making disciples and, yeah. and ask the Spirit to guide you and like, how might we do it more like Jesus did it if we want the same results that he has? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So again, if you haven't heard 218, which was last week's episode, go back, pause this right now, yep. start there. You'll be glad you provide did. Some yeah, because it all kind of hooks together, right? Yep. Yep. All right, so let's listen in. Next one. Discipleship environment's going to have to be holistic. We've already talked a lot this morning or this afternoon about this head, heart, hands. Boy, if you take nothing away, that's as old as Methuselah. Take that away. When you think discipleship, even when you think preaching, think head, heart, hands. 
holistic. I mean, it's obvious from teaching experiences Jesus had with his disciples that he was committed to developing them holistically. It wasn't just tons and tons and tons of head knowledge. He was concerned with helping them bring their whole lives under the will of his Father. Right? Their whole lives as an act of worship. Discipleship needs to involve caring for the whole life of a person. So, like, every area of a person's life needs the gospel, not just the spiritual areas. So when you think discipleship, think holistic. Don't just think, well, they got to learn how to pray and read their Bible. They'll figure it out from there. Well, then why didn't Jesus do it that way? No, they're going to have to, it's, it's, you're going you're gonna to have to look at and, and create the environment and the activities and the experiences for all of it to be looked at. Their time, their job, how they view it. Is it their savior? Is it their provision? Their money, their relationships, their body image, sexuality. It must all be shaped. I mean, seriously, most people aren't just going out and robbing banks, you know what I mean? Or sticking stuff in their purses and stealing, you know, it's really, really like, you know, it's, it's mostly going to be heart and character stuff that you're going to be going after. You've got to think holistic. Here's a big one. Frequent and long term. Oh, let me give you the question for the last one. I'm sorry. Under holistic. What kind of care needs to be given to help each person in your, missional, in, you know, in your church, your missional community, apply the gospel to their whole life, not just their spiritual life? What kind of care needs to give, be given to help each person in your church, your missional community, apply the gospel to their whole lives rather than just the spiritual, quote-unquote, parts of their lives? Okay, frequent and long-term. This is the next one. This is crazy. Just pragmatically, well, let's do a little math. Jesus took approximately how long to invest into the 12 disciples? Three years. Three years. Okay? And we're still sitting around talking about it today because whatever he did worked. Sent him with the Spirit with a pattern, with some stuff. He invested three years, okay? Discipleship's not fast. It's not a class. It's not a series of classes. It's life on life. It's frequent. It's long-term. It takes a lot of time and commitment and sacrifice. And a discipler must be with his or her disciples or community frequently enough, right, that they're actually providing care and a watchful eye over all those areas of a person's life. So when people ask, and they ask, I've heard it already probably a half dozen times today, well, what about people who are driving in from all over town to be in community groups together? How are they going to do frequent long-term care if they have to drive in to do it? Not going to. How are we going to actually make disciples of people? Let's just say that a classroom situation would get her done. Let's say it would. It won't. Won't even come close. But let's say it did. I, I did a little bit of math. If Jesus hung out with his disciples in the manner he did, to, with one goal, make them disciples of his, teaching them to obey his stuff, walk in the ways of his father. Three years, let's say Jesus was really good about getting eight hours of sleep a night. So he had 16 hours a day with his disciples for three years. 
That's like 17,400 and something hours. Okay, maybe he took a vacation or two in there. I, down to the sea, golly, I don't know. 17-something thousand hours, life on life with those guys. What, in our churches, usually, if we're freaking killing it, like, I mean, knocking it out of the park, in that same, you know, same person we're trying to disciple, we might do an hour a week, and then if we were really rock star like disciplers, we would also do one Saturday for two hours a month if we could talk people into giving up that much time. I did the math on it. It would take 55 years at that rate to get to the same level of what Jesus did in three. And we wonder why people don't seem to live like the book of Acts or live out their life like Christ. We're not discipling anybody. Let's just face it, we're not. Until we start living life in gospel communities on mission that are, there's a frequency and a long-term commitment from like, boom, we just met you through, God, you're leading amazingly. The spirit is strong in this one. That, that's got to be our commitment to our cities, to our neighborhoods, to our folks. Not just a bunch of classes and curriculums and tweaked programs so that they get their doctrine straight or they know how to study the word. That's all important. It's just a sliver of it, though. It's just a small thing. And proof's in the pudding. I mean, if, if, even if you think, geez, Caesar, you're crazy. How's it been working for us, America? Are we winning? We're freaking Europe in a handbag fast here. That's like 1% over. I'm in Eastern Europe all the time. On average, they're at 1%. That's where we're heading. If, this doesn't, if, we, if we don't start trusting the Spirit and believing what Jesus said. So frequent and long term, it's going to have to happen. It takes a lot of time. So here's the question. Is it possible to truly make someone, or truly disciple someone, is it possible to truly disciple someone within the two to four hours a week that are spent together in most discipling relationships? How much time do you think it would really take to walk with a group of people to where they're bringing every aspect of their life under the lordship of Christ? Because when the world sees that, that's when Christ's lifted up. That's when the world will come. Next one. The discipleship environment is going to have to be experiential. Okay? I think that's kind of obvious at this point. It's going to have to be experiential. Most of the time Jesus spent with his disciples was sort of experiential learning environment. We know of sometimes when he just sat and talked to them. We know of no times, to my recollection, where he was in a classroom formally, handing out like stuff. Crazy thought. Jesus never owned a copy of the Bible, nor did the disciples. That's weird. They certainly never had a New Testament. But from what I know historically, there were so few copies of Torah and, you know, the writings of the prophets that they were kept like in temple or synagogue. So these guys didn't, it was, it was primarily experiential. They were living together, traveling together, eating meals together. They were out ministering to the needs of all kinds of stuff, blind people, lame people, broken people, deaf people, dead people. Very little of their time together seems to be in what we would consider formal discipleship. People learn much more when they actually do something and hear it than versus just hearing it. And, you, and I think we all know that. 
And for this reason, we need to help people experience the life of a disciple. See, this is what's going on when, you're, when your neighbors and your friends are starting to hang out with you in missional community. So your missional community is not the believers from your church. Your missional community is the community you're on mission with and to and for and among. So my neighbors are beginning to walk in the ways of Christ with us. When we're thankful and generous and offer forgiveness to one another and our neighbors are in tow, see, they're, they're beginning to walk in the ways of the king in his kingdom. When they're serving people who basically are in this mess because they made themselves in this mess, they're participating in a gospel reality. We got ourselves in a big mess and Jesus came and shouldered the sin for us. So when they're out with us shouldering that sin, experiencing that life, they're saying, so that's what it looks like to be a disciple. I see. That's what a follower of Jesus does with their money. They treat it like it's not their own. I see that's what a believe, that's what someone who believes in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, that's what they do with their time. I kind of hoard my time. I read books called Boundaries and stuff. <laughs> that's what they're doing. So it needs to be experiential. Recently, oh, this is such a cool analogy. One of our uh, newer MC leaders, he said to me, he kind of wrote up this little thing, little analogy. He goes, how many of you fell in love with your spouse, let's say, if, probably most of us are married in the room. How many of you would fall in love with your spouse if here's how it had to have gone? Someone tells you about, hey, have you met Sarah? No. Well, let me tell you all about her. She's got hair, set of teeth, two arms, two legs, bunch of toes, fingers. She's really nice. She helps people. Are you in love with her yet? Let me tell you some more stuff about her. She's 30. She's kind of pretty. You in love with her yet? See, no, people, you fall in love because you spend time with someone and you see how they are. And that's how people fall in love with Jesus. That's how people fall in love with the Father is they spend time with Christ, who's the, the body, who's the picture of the Father, and they go, that is beautiful. That is amazing. The way y'all live, I don't know why or I don't understand it. I don't know if I even agree with it all. It's beautiful. If that's what your God is like, I'm starting to get a better picture. That's what's going on. So here's the question. How can your church or how can your missional community live and experience more of life together in a given week or month? I'm not talking about in the box. I'm talking about in life. Even if you have to intentionalize it at first until it becomes a normal rhythm, that's okay. It's how we learn anything. Repetition. Brush your teeth this way. You cut this way. You saw something this way. It's how you pound a nail. Intentionalize it. That's what our covenants do at first for us in our missional communities. Here's how we're going to live as family. Here's how we're going to be missionaries to who. Here's how we're going to serve one another. Here's how we're going to serve the people we're sent to. It's sort of like training wheels until we figure it out until it just sort of becomes a part of our normal rhythm. Right now, my rhythm in life, most of our rhythms in life are about me, mostly. Me, 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 my, me. And, and discipleship is part of learning to re-rhythm that and bring people to walk in that new rhythm of God's plan. So how can your people, how can your folks, your missional community spend more time together? Discipleship environment, too, is going to have to be individually tailored. 
They have to be individually tailored. See, though Jesus did spend time with the, the 12 and sometimes even bigger groups of people, we see at times he got, he got alone with three or a few or one, just like you raise your kids. See, in discipleship, one size does not fit all. Because, brother, you and I did not have the same upbringing. But ours was a little similar. But my folks did get divorced and you stayed married. And, 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 you know, all the variables of age and stage and life and experience and personality and birth order and everything and schooling and not and church experience or not or doctrinal errors or not or... Discipleship's going to be fairly customized and therefore messy. Now, there is a deposit Paul talks about, the kerygma, right? And then how to live it out, the didache. There is a deposit that sort of gets deposited to everybody. And then that's sort of like, and then you work that out in all of life. And you're going you're gonna to have to customize this stuff. And like I mentioned earlier, like we do this MRI even. We've gotten so serious about this that I want to be able to look across like all these sort of strata of life issues. And I want to see if a person's knowing it, believing it, and believing it with their hands, living it out. And so that we work on that. It's going to have to be very dynamic and, and sort of a living, breathing thing. And not everybody's going to need the exact same stuff at the exact same time. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, how do you possibly take your kids and some retired woman in your community through the exact same curriculum for their whole life or for the next nine weeks or 12 weeks. Really? Really that's the same? They're dealing with the same idols? <laughs> it couldn't be. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be sort of customized and tailored. And so as, as leaders and as missional community leaders, you're kind of helping bring an eye to that. As we're doing life together on mission, making disciples, being disciples, it's kind of happening already in the everyday flow of life as we just live it. What specific areas are we needing to bring the gospel to bear on? What areas are we light in our knowledge? Where do we still need to grow in our doctrinal understanding? What, what classes might we need to take together or a few of us? Or what book might like some of us need to be going through? When we did the MRI in our community, I, we saw a, a consistent theme. There was a real lightness to the understanding and submission to the work of the Spirit in people's lives. So we agreed, like, well, that's an area together we're going to learn this year. But there was stuff that was unique to his and hers and his and hers. And then so we're, look, how's that? How are they going to grow in those areas? And in some cases, it's nothing more than just being aware of it so that when I see it coming up, I know to bring, an idol, uh, bring gospel to that idol or someone else in the community does or you bear with one another, you work out the one another's a little differently because you're aware of where they're at in their discipleship, right? So the question there is how can you make sure that you're giving regular and personal care to each member of your group based on their needs and personality and growth? Now see, that sounds impossible if you're a large church. But not if you're in a missional community of like 8 or 12 or 15 people. That's totally doable. In fact, that has become for us sort of the temperature gauge of what size is a healthy community. Oh, there's no exact number. If that can occur, if there's not people and leadership that can know where everybody's at in their growth curve, it's too big. Then we're not accomplishing the mission. We've, we've slipped into something else. It might be cool. It might be good stuff. It might be doctrinally accurate and dead on. It might not be discipleship anymore. Next one. It's going to need to be modeled. Leaders, you're going to have to live this. 
It's going to have to be modeled. We see that in Jesus' life. It was, he was a consistent example of love. He was a consistent example of submission to his Father. He was a consistent example of a prayerful man, dependent on the Father, saying what the Father said, doing what he saw his Father do. They watched his life. They had access to his life, not just his public life. There wasn't just a few people who had access to his life. People had access to his life. His disciples had almost nonstop access to his life. A few times we know he took off. See, disciples are going to need to see what sort of their life should look like and be expected, not just at church or not just at Mitchell Community Night on Wednesday, which is total wrong understanding of Mitchell Community. They need to see what it looks like as a parent. They need to see you fight and forgive. As elders in our community in Soma, we, we practice an open door policy. You can always stop by my house anytime you don't need an invitation. You can. You get to. If I'm eating, you can eat. There, there was for a season there, we had to have one night a week where we said, this one meal out of 21 is for my biological kids and my bride and I, and y'all don't get to come to that. You can come after it. You can come before it. You can come to breakfast and lunch that day. You can come every other day. That one meal is going to be family dinner night for this part of my family. I get to. Okay? There's, here's, here's the other side of it. People say like, well, how could you possibly be in ministry if you had an open door? Wouldn't people just be over constantly nonstop? Yes and no. People in my missional community are free to come and go, but I don't have people from 16 other missional communities or 80 other missional communities just showing up frequently because they've got a community who's meeting their needs. They've got an elder that's in their world. They've got a missional community leader. And so when someone stops by, they not only know they have the freedom to come and observe my life, which see models to them an openness of my faith and my walk, but they also get to come and see, well, what does it look like to be a busy guy involved in ministry full-time and love his wife and now adult kids? They get to see what that looks like. But I also have the freedom to say, now's not a good time. Like, knock, knock. Hey, come on in. What's going on? Well, I just thought I'd stop by, see what you guys are up to tonight. Well, um, Tina and I were just watching a little romantic comedy. Got a little wine out here. Just kind of hoping for a happy ending, if you know what I mean. So uh, I'm going to say not tonight's a good night to hang out, but maybe tomorrow we could get together. All right. See, see, see what gets modeled and all that, you know what I mean? Now, if they're like, like my, my child just got hit by a car or something, well, then you, you, know, you put the bottle away and you, you plan, you know what I mean? So, but you get to have a life, and that's all part of that modeling. You live openly, but you also live with the freedom to say, now it's not super. Jeff and Janie, um, they just actually live in the same neighborhood as I do. They have a big, huge front picture window, and their whole thing is, if the curtains are open, you can come on in. If they're closed, it's our time. And they're mostly open. But it's weird, because I'll drive by sometimes really like 11, 12 at night, and I'll see this, the, the curtains are open, and I'll just stop by to test them. Did you guys just forget to close the curtains or are you still up for hanging? Come on in. And Jeff, Jeff doesn't even knock. I mean, he really practices what he preaches. He just will book right into your house and Zoom, you know. Open up your fridge, take out stuff, get it. I, what are you doing? I needed some wine for dinner and I'm out. All right. He says, why, is it your wine or is it God's? Because I'm just, all right, just checking. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, it's true. I'm not even, I'm not making this stuff up. This is how, when people go like, you just let him do that? It's like, well, he's right. I mean, that's, it's not my stuff, you know. 
How else will young disciples, believers, not yet believers, how will they know what it looks like to be godly husbands, godly parents, godly leaders, tired people who trust the Spirit, parents who discipline in anger and ask their kids to forgive them? How are they going to learn this stuff if they don't see it? I mean, that was not in the nine-week discipleship course I got taken through. See, it's going to have to be modeled. It's going to have to be modeled. So here's the question. How can you model as much of a Christ-like lifestyle as possible for those you're discipling? How can you model as much of a Christ-like lifestyle as possible for those you're discipling? Now, for many of you, I know you'd go like, oh, I, can't, I can't do it. My, my, my wife would never have that. That's a gospel issue. Whose life is it? Whose house is it? Whose family is it? Whose kids are these? Let me, just, let me just jack with your head for a second on this. You know when people talk about, well, yeah, well, you have to protect your family from ministry. No, you have to protect your family from overworked stuff done in the flesh that's not ministry, that's burning the crud out of you called church. Yeah, you should. You should repent of that stuff and quit that tomorrow. What are we called as, as, as parents, or as, let's, I'll speak to the to men real quick. Dudes, what are you called to protect first and foremost in your family? The image of the gospel that they display. You were only given a wife and kids to be a picture of the gospel to, your, to the world. That's what you protect. Not their phobias, not their laziness, not their fear, not their idols of how many nights they should be able to sit around alone and not have everybody in their world. You protect the image of the gospel, and the gospel is sacrificial and generous and gives itself away. That's what we're called to protect. And at times, that will require us to be alone and not have others around. But it's not going to be six nights out of seven. It's not on a rigid schedule like, boop, I, I, this pet peeve. Yeah, well, we'd really like to go out and be, you know, serving and helping that way tonight. But the kids, you know, I think the kids are, one of them's getting like a cold. They're getting a sniffle. I'm like, are you kidding me? Dude, we were just at the freaking ball game last week and all your kids are running around with candlesticks hanging around their nose. It seemed fine then. Or like, well, it's their bedtime. We're not going to be able to do that. It's their bedtime. Whoa, 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 whoa. Last week when we were doing this party, it seemed fine for them to stay up till 10.30 and they were in everybody's hair and weren't that disciplined. But now it's time to serve. See, it's really all gospel issue. We're called first and foremost to protect and promote and beautify the picture of the gospel in our families. That's what we're called. So that means opening up our homes because it's, it's, we're given them as a display. And the last one is expectation of multiplication. Build in a natural boom. Healthy things grow, folks, just so you know. Healthy things grow. Biologically, the reason we age is because our cells slow down in dividing and eventually stop dividing, and then we start losing cells, and then that thing wears out or falls off or needs glasses or thins away or, you know. It's healthy things grow. Build into your missional communities, build into your disciple making an expectation of multiplication. Part of being a disciple is you make disciples. It's not an optional thing like, well, I might. Then you're not a disciple. How will you know a disciple? They're making disciples. How will you know a mature disciple? They're helping others know how to make disciples. They're not a mature disciple if they're not helping others make disciples. 
Build that in from the beginning so when the, your missional communities are multiplying, it's the most normal thing to do. And both celebrate that multiplication and grieve that change. Because you've all been loving each other and having a blast on this gospel journey together. And now by God's grace, you've grown because healthy things always, always grow. And now you're going to be two groups. We're still going to see each other, but maybe not as often. We grieve the change, but we celebrate growth, just like with our kids. It's a sick parent that says to the kids, like, I've done such a fine job of raising you. I hope you'll stay home and never get married and have babies. But, but I'm telling you, my 21-year-old my moves next month. First time out of the house. She's the last one out. I'm excited for her. It's going to be really good for her. Her mom and I will shed a tear. It's coming. I just choke up thinking about it. I'm going to grieve the change that I won't have a constantly dirty room. No, I'm just I will... I will I will grieve the change that my sweetie pie is no longer in the house every day, but I celebrate she's growing up and she's getting a life and she's working and she loves God and people and it's, it's the right stuff, you know? So expectation of multiplication should be built in. So here's the final question then. How can you give the vision to those you're discipling to become disciples of others in the very near future? Well, we're always in discipleship mode. So even those new disciples... They're in discipleship mode. How could you help them own that so they get real intentional about that? All right, man, more fire as usual. <laughs> you were, I don't know what was going on, but you had some power there. Yeah. And wow. some convicting things. Man, one of the things that really stuck with me was there towards the end when you were talking about how um, this isn't something that we just do like when we serve people once a year, but if disciples aren't being made and we're getting frustrated, maybe we look at the frequency of what we're gathering and how we're actually doing life together. Oh, yeah. Because I've been in a lot of churches where it's like, well, they just need another class. And like you said, like doctrine isn't going to be the thing that actually pushes you to make oh, disciples. If it's one more class or killer sermon that we all needed, and then the church would be like powerful and relevant and making disciples and changing the world, then we, we yeah. made there a long time ago. There's some great preaching online these days. Yeah, exactly. The interwebs has changed all that, you know. <laughs> but so it's no, not, I, it's discipleship happens well in all those ways we talked about. Today, we hit up like it's holistic. That's kind of scary and creepy yeah. for people, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about that. You know? Yeah, hippie, hippie language. Um, frequent long term. Mm-hmm. Love that. Experiential. Like, yep. you got to taste, touch, feel this stuff. Individually tailored. It's not one size fits all. Modeled. People need to see it so it means they're gonna have to be in your life yeah and some people are like no no my life's separate i do my ministry yeah anyway and then expectation of multiplication that was a good one too which you know so anyway there that's what we covered and wow those are all just in the phrases alone it's convicting hey so yeah man well let's get to the big three for this week which is uh if you're a new listener the big three are the three big takeaways that we don't want you to forget we don't want you to lose it if If you leave nothing else else, don't miss these points and you get them as a free download what Caesar's about to mention here by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three, and we'll get those notes to you right away. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay, if nothing else, don't miss this from today's uh, the talk we just had, just listened to. Um, discipleship needs to involve caring for the whole life of a person. Yeah. Every area of a person's life needs the gospel, right? We talk about our dis- discipleship's the process of moving from unbelief to belief. Um, not just the spiritual areas like Bible study and prayer, etc. Um, a person's time, money, job, relationships, their body, all of that must all be shaped from a gospel perspective. Hmm. We get to. Discipleship's not fast. It takes a lot of time, commitment, and sacrifice. And a disciple maker must be with his or her disciples frequently and must care for them over the long term. Agreed, man. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, number two. Number two, people learn much more when they do something than when they just hear about it. 
right? Mm. So for this reason, we need to help people experience life lived in line with the gospel. We need to live closely with them outside of church gatherings. We can't just see people once in a while. We have to engage in life, in relationships, in ministry together. And each person must be viewed individually in the same way that parents, you know, all of our kids, you're like, well, they came from the same two of us, but they're so different. So is discipleship. And you need to, you need to view the development of each of your children, quote unquote, disciples individually. You have to. Absolutely. And then third, third of the big three, uh, teach your disciples to expect multiplication to happen. Sometimes I'll say, you know, like raise your kids to move out as disciples teach others to obey all of Jesus' commands. That includes his command to make more disciples. Hmm. So part of being a disciple of Jesus is making disciples of Jesus, right? Duh. Yeah. <laughs> so this goal of multiplication with disciple becoming disciple maker should be the stated and expected like goal from the beginning. It shouldn't be surprising to people like, oh, I know you love this, but you're you're going, you know, yep. you're moving out someday. So though every person's not necessarily a gifted leader, every person is spiritually gifted by the spirit and called to be a disciple maker. It's part of our, it's just part of our identity. And, and, and they get to be an important part of, of a gospel centered community on mission, which what's the mission making disciples. Yeah, man, big three for this week jam-packed. We give them to you again for free as a download by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three. You'll get those notes right away. Hey, if you haven't yet given us a review or stars on iTunes, uh, please do. Like it helps. I know you got to get out, right? Whatever you're doing now and you got to click a button with your thumb. It's heavy lifting. Yeah. (laughs) And then you got to click a couple other buttons, but (laughs) I'm going to guess it takes less time than us recording this. So like pay it forward by paying us back by at least giving us a review. I really appreciate it. And uh, we love them. And guess what? We read most of them online. Uh, I mean, you'll read them on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to. You're going to hear your name and your little review. So yeah. The other thing, too, is people that don't know yet, we've actually just over the last maybe month or two been able to add the podcast to like Spotify. So if you're a Spotify listener, yeah. Life School's on there. Also, the other day I was messing around with my kids and I said, hey, Alexa, play the Life School podcast. And sure enough, Boom. Same I heard with, the beautiful same voice with, of Cesar Kalinowski. Same with Google. Yep. Yeah, so, it's amazing. Yeah, all that. We're, we're in all of that. So, so find us different ways. Share the, that. share the show with your friends. Hey, join us next week as we talk about the top 10 roadblocks to discipleship and mission. Mm. It'll be good, compact. Yeah. And those actually came right out of the discipleship and mission challenge. Yeah. Like we got so many people listed, like, what are your current roadblocks? And so, yeah, I'm going to address those. It'll be pretty freewheeling. Sure. We'll just talk about them. But I also, I'm going to give some questions, sort of diagnostic questions, so you can kind of get to the thing behind the thing. Yep. Like, that's a roadblock? Ask yourself this. Yeah. And let spirit guide you. So it should be good. It should be fun. Awesome. So we hope you join us for that. Caesar, enjoy vacation, man. Enjoy the beaches of Thank San Diego. You. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. For more information, visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>